2: Bonsoir tout le monde, and welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of God Bless Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back my good friend and my mentor residing in beautiful and sunny Southern California. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Steve Adams.
0: Well, not super sunny today. It was pretty, pretty overcast, and it was, it was, you know, by LA standards, it was kind of a colder wind out there. But compared to what a lot of people in the rest of the country are going through, uh, I'm not complaining.
2: I mean I can't complain either. Even though I, I, I am currently in quarantine, but you know, it's really not that bad. I'm getting better every day. Just following it, taking medicine, you know, just, 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 just cooperating. Everything turns out great. So. But it's been a quite an interesting few days of soccer. Um, I should have realized that you know around this time of year, there's like three Premier League games a week, and it really intensif- intensifies.
0: It's a veritable orgy of soccer. <laughs> when you get towards um, the second week of December through New Year's, it's a slew of games in the EPL. So for the fans, it's wonderful that you watch. But uh, for the managers... And the players, it's, it's very tricky because you're trying to avoid injuries and things like that. And that's that's during a normal year. But in this uh, pandemic and um, altered world that we live in, it, it just seems like there has been more injuries than usual.
2: Absolutely. Well, this match day 13 has is, is actually been pretty interesting, and we're not going to waste any time. Let's go ahead and go ahead and start off with Wolverhampton and Chelsea because you and I already talked about this a couple of days ago as uh, you and I were following it.
0: Um, yeah, this was one that um, Wolverhampton and Chelsea, this was a game where you know, Chelsea going to the Midlands thought that this was three points that they were going to get. And, um you know, late goal and deep at stoppage time from Nanto gets Wolves the spoils and Chelsea comes out with nothing. Giroud has a wonderful volley goal uh, in the beginning of the second half. That's um, seven goals in seven games for the Frenchman who's, as the late Stuart Scott would say, call him butter because he's on a roll. He's just uh, been lights out for Chelsea, and it was good to see Kristen Pulisic Get some playing time from for Chelsea and not get hurt, but uh, but clearly Frank Lampard was not going to be very happy with that result in the Midlands with the two to one loss.
2: Well, what stings for Chelsea is that in the first half they were denied a penalty, what could have been a penalty.
0: Well, that's true, that's true. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The, uh, the the joys of the joys of VAR and stuff. Um, I mean, not a hardly not a game goes by where there's not a manager that's not complaining about feeling aggrieved that there should have been a penalty called or why a penalty was called. So, um, but still, um, for Chelsea, it was a tough loss. It's
2: a tough loss because they were in the top four, and all and all of a sudden, you know, they've dropped down to number seven.
0: Well, and this coming on the on the on the back of. Losing to Everton at Goodison Park over the weekend. So that's actually two losses on the trot for the Blues So um, and those were two matches that I think uh, Frank Lampard was expecting six points and he got zilch
2: I mean it's gonna happen and and, and this is why we love the EPL because when they tell you, you you're gonna be in for some surprises Ladies and gentlemen, that is no exaggeration, and we've been in for surprises for the last two results, as far as, as far as Chelsea goes. But but another upcoming huge surprise was Manchester City and West Brom battling to a draw. But what really surprised me is that apparently there's been a managerial change after this in West Brom's case.
0: Well, I mean, this was kind of long overdue. Uh, a lot of people were were thinking this was going to happen, but. Um... You know, plucky plucky draw for for the baggies, and uh, their goalie uh, Sam Johnstone. He made two point blank stops at stoppage time that kept Guardiola's side from taking the spoils.
2: And the truth is, uh, in West Brom's case, it was luck because it was a mistake from Manchester City that put him on the scoreboard because Ruben Diaz suffered an own goal.
0: Yeah. But uh, but, with, but with where West Brom was going, it wasn't really a surprise that Billich was going to get shown the door.
2: That's true. And as far as Man, uh, Man City goes, you know, stuck in ninth place, five wins, five draws, and two losses, while West Brom is still in 19th in the relegation zone. So you right, you know, I guess it was time for a change.
0: You know, it, it had to happen.
2: Yeah, it had to, you know. And, and sometimes when the damage is already done, before the damage can get even worse, you got to make a tough decision. And what we have to keep in mind is it's nothing personal. It's just business. Yeah. But now we get to, okay, though this this was quite surprising. Arsenal, Arsenal and Southampton. I mean, I really figured Southampton being on fire, I really figured they were going to pull off the win. And believe it or not, Steve, like while they did have the lead, at one point Southampton was on top of the Premier League standings.
0: Yeah, Theo Wolcott gets a goal in the 18th minute against his old side, Arsenal. Uh, they get a tie goal from Aubameyang, and then uh, Arsenal had to play a man down from after the 62nd minute after Gabriel was shown a second yellow. So, uh, you know, the good news is, if you're an Arsenal fan, the good news is Arsenal didn't lose. But all the same, it's still a draw, Um Southampton definitely carried most of the play, and I thought looked much better of the two sides.
2: Man, this Southampton team, man, you know, I, I gotta admit, they're really making it, me making me eat my words because, you know, right now they're in third place, and you know, seven wins, three draws, and three losses, at twenty-four points, with you know, scoring twenty-five goals, you know, th- that's respectable. And you know, as I mentioned, they briefly had first place, so you know, so in their case, it was while it lasted right
0: yeah and then you know another one of the not big money teams that's been um staging its palace coup and uh, threatening the teams at the top uh lester lost at home to everton so uh everton in two tough games they get six points against chelsea and against Leicester city they go up to the midlands they get goals from charleston and holgate they played a a really really good game. Um, Leicester City did have a, a couple of chances to win, but uh, Jamie Vardy had a couple of chances that uh, he normally he probably would have put them away. He had some great crosses and just headed them straight at the straight at the goaltender. But uh, but credit on the day to uh, to Everton. Um, Carlo echelotti has got his guys playing some good ball again.
2: He does it and they and they really need it because you know they start off strong. I mean, at one point they were the best team in in the EPL. So after what went from a hot streak to going down to a cold streak, uh, they're starting to be. Excuse me, they're they're starting to become hot again. Uh, I just want to make sure, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I, if I sound weird, I apologize. I'm just battling a cough and I'm trying not to cough too much. So, the, so the gasping sound, don't don't worry about it. I'm fine. Just you know. Getting through it, but uh, anyway, Everton really needs to go back on a hot streak, and they gotta stay hot. So, and right now uh, they're actually making the the right progress. You know, they're in fifth place uh, with Manchester United lurking right behind them. So, as long as they keep winning, then everything should turn out to be fine.
0: Well, and then um, the marquee matchup of this particular match day, the one that everybody was waiting for, the two co-leaders. On points, Liverpool and Tottenham, Tottenham had had held the edge uh, on goal differential. Liverpool gets a 90th-minute header from Roberto Firmino to snatch a 2-1 victory against Tottenham. And this was a really highly entertaining game. I mean, this was one of those classic ones for uh, Jose Mourinho's side where he was willing to uh, accept a lot of Liverpool possession and pressure and then hope that you know his quality front line of uh, Son Heung-min and um, Harry Kane could cash in. Well, Son did get a goal in the 33rd minute, uh, showed breathtaking pace, and then he had a fantastic finish uh, for Tottenham to tie the game after uh, Mo Salah had scored a very nice goal in the 26th minute. Um, after, after the game, Jose Mourinho was whining as he is wont to do uh, about oh, in this case the, the better team did not win well uh, to be fair Tottenham did have some really really good chances uh, they were wasteful with the chances that they had uh, Steve Bergwin had a really really good chance he hit the post uh, and Harry Kane headed the ball over from point blank range and uh, normally uh, a type of situation where he would normally cash it in. But at the end of the day, it was an extremely entertaining win. And it was a win that was much needed for Liverpool because they thought uh, over the weekend going down to Fulham that they were going to get three points at Craven Cottage. They didn't plan on Fulham playing probably their best half of, of ball uh, this year. They came out absolutely inspired in the first half, were ahead of Liverpool, uh, and uh, they ended up having to settle for a draw after uh, Salah got a penalty late in the game to equalize for Liverpool, who looked a little more normal in the second half. But uh, Caballero, he had just a monster game for Fulham. Showed wonderful pace, and uh, he was making... Life pretty miserable for the Liverpool backs, a good chunk of the game. And then also, shout-out in that game, too, to American defender Anthony Robinson. Played a really solid game for Fulham. He looked great back there uh, playing on defense. So, uh, so But getting back to the Tottenham game, yeah, after, after dropping a couple of points in London, uh, Liverpool really, really wanted to have the win, but then also... Make a statement uh, before the Christmas holidays, and and here's Liverpool after all of their injury woes, and they still have a significant number of their top-flight players are still not back, and you know now they're three up on Tottenham going into the weekend.
2: Well, first thing I'm going to say is I was amazed that despite the injuries, Liverpool was able to win two to one. But the way you described it, it's exactly the way it was. Tottenham had the opportunities, but just wasted them. Okay, and obviously, you know, excuse me, Um, the, the way Tottenham was just playing, you know, they got outclassed, like, only 24% of ball possession, 254 passes compared to 813 by Liverpool. You know, it just seems that the top offense just got outclassed by uh, an injury-riddled Liverpool team, and Liverpool, Liverpool was just there mentally, and... In Jose Mourinho's case, I understand how frustrating it is, but the comments that he said, which I don't want to say, you know, there's just there's just no need for it. There really isn't. I mean, look, you're not you're not gonna win them all. You can't win them all. You suffer you suffer a loss. You learn from it. You move on. You do better next time. That's all you you, you can do. And was... <laughs> excuse me. Uh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say it was a very emotional night at Anfield where they were able to have 2,000 fans there because they paid tribute to the former Liverpool manager Gerard Houllier, Oh, yes. Who oh, yes. Is, a, is a French manager, for those who may not know, um, had a lot of success in France coaching at Lens, uh, coached at Lyon. Um, he was actually the French national team coach that unfortunately for him was a charge uh, when... France flamed out and didn't qualify for the 94 World Cup. But uh, he also, he was the one who sort of brought uh, a good youth system to Liverpool. He tweaked things a bit. And um, he did have success. I mean, they won five trophies while they were there. The one year in 2001, they won a treble with the UEFA Cup, FA Cup, and League Cup. Um and, uh, he was, he was a very, very well-respected manager and, um, uh, you know, the, the poor guy, he'd been battling, um, health problems for years. In fact, his Liverpool coaching career was cut short because he'd had a, a massive heart attack and had needed, uh, I believe it was a quintuple bypass that he needed. Uh, so the bypass bought him, um, I want to say you got about 16 years off of that, so I mean that's good. But uh, but it was a really it was a really nice win on, on an emotional night.
2: It certainly was, and no doubt in my mind that win is is for him. And quite frankly, it's it, it is sad because I remember you know uh, Gerard Ullier, how you know unfortunately what happened in, in the '93 World Cup qualifying. But it's amazing he went from that to actually achieving major success but like you mentioned he did have success prior it's just the uh, the failure to qualify for the 94 world cup is unfortunately something that's going to stand forever but but you know what you know and it's it's sad too because you know after after his tenure ended with Liverpool Liverpool would go on to win the Champions League in 2005 i believe they beat AC Milan in the final in the penalty shootout but, but Liverpool well he left that- <laughs> scott i'm sorry go ahead
0: he gave, he gave uh, Rafael Benitez some pretty good framework with which to work. I mean, yeah, you know, Benitez did a good job, but in a lot of ways that team that ended up upsetting AC Milan in that unforgettable game at Istanbul in 2005, in a lot of ways that was a Houllier side. Uh, a lot of those guys got their start with, with uh, Gerard Houllier. And um, the one thing I also forgot to add too after he had had surgery and had recovered and got back into coaching, he went back to France and then he led Lyon to winning a, a French league on title. So, uh, so he, he's clearly a, a really, really successful coach and by all accounts, good guy. When you see him in interviews, um, he seems like he just seems like a real friendly friendly professor, I guess is kind of the best way I could describe him, which, and in actuality, he was, uh, he was a teacher as well before he got into coaching, so um, anyway, but great win for Liverpool, um, go three up over Tottenham, but this, this race is so far from over, as we've seen with so many of these uneven results with a lot of the top teams, you know, a lot of the top teams have had their chances and uh, they've, they've let points slip away. I mean, there's one thing that's very clear to this season. There's nobody that's going to be winning the EPL with 90 points this year. This isn't going to happen.
2: Absolutely I, not.
0: I think I think actually somebody with as low as 80 may actually win the EPL this year. I think there's, there's that much parity right now.
2: It's never a simple task to win the EPL, and I think you're right. It's going to be a tight race all season, and it might come down to the last couple, last couple of games, but you know what? That's what makes the whole thing very interesting. Well, let's go and talk about Leeds United and, and Newcastle. Leeds United putting five goals against Newcastle. Leeds United, you know, off, obviously started out respectable, still trying to get there, but from where they are, that, that win was needed. They're still in the 13th place. Excuse me. 13th placed with five wins, uh, two draws, and six losses. Still not a good position for them. But in all in all costs, they got to keep winning. Well, for
0: the Yorkshiremen, it was only their second win in seven games. But uh, Leeds was able to get five goals from five different players, and uh, they sort of uh, forgotten in the midst of all this. This was actually a two to two game until seventy seventh minute, and then. Um, the Yorkshiremen were able to get, get three more goals in, um, in a little over 13 minutes.
2: Well, that's definitely the, a very exciting way to win, but with Leeds United, like you mentioned, the, the results lately have, have been good, so it's time to keep winning, start a winning streak. But let's go to the last interesting game, and this game was played today, was Ma- Manchester United versus the worst team in the EPL, Sheffield United. Manchester United was lucky on this one, and in Sheffield United's case, uh, where they stand right now with one point through thirteen games, that's the worst start in EPL history.
0: Well, Dean Henderson gave Sheffield United a very early Christmas present with his howler at the uh, at the beginning of the game. With that, um, on um, McGoldrick just you know poached the ball that uh, it wasn't a great uh pass back from the defender, but uh but Henderson just made a total hash of it, got his pocket picked, um, ball was dished and McGoldrick was able to bury it.
2: See and and a lot of people were upset that David De Gea had not started, but Dean Henderson would actually make up for it in, in the closing minutes when he went up uh, when he made a what what the viewers describe as a fantastic save, but it was, you know, I love the brace scored by Marcus Rashford. And Anthony Martial actually uh, scored, uh, I believe this may have been his second, excuse me, his second one in EPL play, but Martial's been uh, quiet all season, to be
0: honest. Yeah, he finished a 491-minute drought, uh, took a nice pass from Paul Pogba, and uh, he was able to beat Ramsdale on his second attempt.
2: And it's really good, but, you know, a 3-2 win on the road against the worst team in the EPL. I mean, that's just not very convincing. But at the end of the day, a win's a win.
0: But uh, the win actually puts Manchester United, with all the problems that they've had, with all the the talk of people wanting Ole, Goers, Solskjaer's head on a plate of lutefisk, uh, they're within one point of fourth place Leicester City.
2: Yeah, exactly. Look, I understand how frustrated things have been, but like I said, it's not just on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's head. You know, it's all on the other team. And like you just said, you know, they're just one point away from Leicester City, so Manchester United still has a chance to prove that they are serious title contenders. Well, for the EPL title, that is.
0: Well, the one thing they do have going for them is their away form is really what's kind of saved their bacon this year as far as. as far as that goes that's that, that's the thing it's really rather incredible how poor they've been at Old Trafford, but they've been veritable road warriors when they've been playing away from old trafford
2: mm-hmm. but they got it, they better get it together because their next game is at old Trafford and it's and it's against Leeds United, so that's going to be pretty important. but as far as Manchester United's concerned, we also found out that in the Europa League in the round of thirty two they're going to be playing real Sociedad.
0: You know, Spanish club, which has been playing well in uh, La Liga so far this year. Uh, they they got beat over the weekend by Barcelona. But uh, but still, that's, it, that, that one will actually be a fairly interesting matchup with, um, with Man U playing the Bosques.
2: Oh, absolutely. But there's plenty of time for them to prepare. But in their case, I can only hope they can at least make a respectable run in the Europa League. I don't think they're going to win it, but... At least make what I like to say a respectable run. Well, so now that we're done with this week's APL, uh, let's go and you want to go and predict uh, this weekend's game, Steve?
0: Yeah, we can we can go into the upcoming games.
2: Sure. Well, let's go and start off with Southampton and Manchester City. Well, that's very interesting.
0: Hmm. Let's see. Oh, Um, Southampton, Man City. Yeah, that is actually, you know, that's a fairly even matchup. Um, I think in this one, I'm actually going to pick Southampton to win this one against City.
2: You know, I agree with you. I I have to agree because Manchester City has been kind of quiet. but Southampton all of a sudden is really becoming more than a simple dark horse. I mean, they're really becoming quite a pretty good team, so... I think they actually pull off an upset win against Manchester City. I'm going to give them a 3-2 win.
0: Crystal Palace hosting Liverpool. The infamous 4.30 in the morning game, which I will catch the highlights because I am not going to get up that early <laughs> on my on my day off. Um, Crystal Palace has had a history of giving Liverpool all kinds of problems. Whatever Liverpool travels there, they just... They just seem to make life miserable for Liverpool. And as as much as I'd like to hope that Liverpool can win in Crystal Palace, I think this one is going to finish in a draw.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a 1-1 one, one draw.
0: And I'm just I'm just going on history because whatever it is, Liverpool just seems to run into bad mojo um whatever they play.
2: You know, and based, as you said, how accurate you're being, we have to be as, as accurate on it as possible. So I think the real, most realistic way to go is to go with a 1-1 draw. Yeah. Right.
0: That sounds realistic. Everton-Arsenal.
2: Oh, well, give me Everton. Give me Everton with a, th- with a comfortable 3-0 win.
0: Yeah, Arsenal just... They, they just don't have it, and Everton's definitely feeling their mojo right now, so I think Everton wins this one at Goodison Park.
2: I mean, Arsenal, let me go ahead and explain a simple way in the state that Arsenal is right now. Arsenal is basically looking at themselves in the mirror, wishing that they were the, the same team they were back in 2004, a team that was superior, that had the best EPL p- player of all time, in my opinion, Thierry Henry, you know, led by... Led by the great Arsene Wenger, because it's safe to say that to say that they're a shell of what they were back in 2004, Steve, you got a hell of an understatement right there. Because compared to what they were back then, Arsenal is just—it's—it's it, undescribable it's just how bad they are compared to what they were in the early 2000s.
0: Yeah, uh, this is a this is a team that. Uh, the only way i could see them playing european ball again is if they do like what they did last season and win the fa cup or the league cup that's the only way i could perceive arsenal playing any type of european ball they're certainly not going to make it up into the champions league spots that's no, for unfortunately sure unfortunately not and
2: and quite frankly i don't think they're going to be that lucky i don't think luck is is going to come is going to come this time around because we all there's a saying your luck's got to run out sometime and this time it could it could happen but but I have to stick with the guns. I think Everton wins comfortably, and Arsenal just continues to sink.
0: But um, Newcastle-Fulham up at St. James's Park in Newcastle, as much as Newcastle can just be so up and down, um, it's a really tough team to pick sometimes. I think that this is a match they should win against Fulham. But Fulham showed a lot in that first half they played against Liverpool over the weekend. Um, they showed a lot of pace and industry and they created a lot of chances on goal. Allison Becker had to make a couple of really good saves to make sure that the deficit was not any worse than the one nothing that it was when it went into halftime. That said, um, I think I think Newcastle will get the win over Dean Parker's men.
2: I have to agree. I'm going to have to go with Newcastle with a 2-1 win. Because I'm not going to deny the resiliency and the, the concentration that Fulham has developed You know, after that game in Liverpool. Liverpool's, I mean, excuse me, Fulham's got a little bit of momentum, and I think they're going to try to use it to the best of their abilities, and I think they're good enough to score at least one goal and, and to lose just narrowly.
0: Sunday first game, Bright versus Sheffield United. Um... Boy, I wonder who's going to pay money to see that. Now, in all seriousness, um, i I got to give the edge to Brighton. I mean, Sheffield's just, you know, they're just at, at sixes and sevens, as goes the British expression.
2: Well, quite frankly, Sheffield United is beyond terrible. I don't see any changes coming anytime soon. So I'm, I'm going to cut to the chase. Brighton wins 2 nothing.
0: Spurs, Leicester City, this one has a lot of implications because this these are a couple of teams that are fighting it out in the top spots. Um, I think Spurs will get back to their winning ways against the Foxes.
2: I agree. I think Tottenham uh, takes takes care of this one at home, but it's not going to be easy because Leicester City is beginning to build the tough reputation again. But I'm going to give Tottenham the win 2-1. to one.
0: Great matchup, though. I mean, Mano Omano against uh, the the two best English strikers in, in recent years, Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy. Two phenomenal strike strikers who have worn the the English shirt. Uh, Vardy ha- has stepped away from uh, international play, um, but uh, this will be this should be an interesting game, though. Uh, one that Leicester City is is going to be desperate to get a result, but I think. I think Jose Mourinho will have Spurs uh, back on their game on Sunday.
2: I agree, but now we get to Manchester City. Uh, excuse me, Manchester United and Leeds United. Well, unfortunately, Manchester United is not very good at home. Leeds United, you know, is coming off a five to two win. You know, I think, I think it's going to end up in a two to two draw.
0: Actually, I'm going to pick Leeds to. Make a surprise here. I think Leeds goes to Old Trafford and they get the win.
2: Right. I mean, th- that's certainly possible because it's like I just said, you know, Manchester United is a completely different at home than they are on the road. So Leeds United is perfectly capable of pulling off the upset and, and it could very well happen.
0: West Brom, Aston Villa. Villa was very wasteful uh, today in the game against Burnley. They had plenty of chances to put the game away and it ended up finishing a 0 0 draw. Um, I think this one. I think the villains go down to go go over to the Hawthorns, and I think they get the win over over West Brom.
2: All right, because like you just explained, they were wasteful, and I really don't think they're gonna allow that to happen twice in a row. Because Aston Villa, you know, not long ago they were close to the top five, and they've kind of fallen. So they want to still try to fight for it, even though the their chances are very slim, but I think Aston Villa picks up the win. But now we get to Chelsea and West
0: Ham. London Derby, uh, Chelsea desperately needs a good result. And uh, I think they'll be pretty fired up to take care of the team from East London. So I think Chelsea will win this one against the Hammers.
2: I have to agree. But at the same time, Steve, we can't deny the fact that West Ham... Has actually looked pretty decent as of late because after 13 games, they're at six wins, three draw, excuse me, three draws, and four losses. So can't deny that no. they're actually putting up surprising results.
0: No, they're up in eighth place. I mean, at, at 21 points, they're they're only three points behind the fourth spot. The which the fourth spot is. Uh, reimbursed with a, a spot for the play-in for the Champions League. So, I mean, they're definitely they're definitely in the mix. They're they're one old they're one ahead over Manchester City.
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed, but now we get to the last game. We get to Wolverhampton and Burnley. I'm not gonna waste any time. I'm gonna just give me Wolverhampton. <laughs>
0: I'll take Wolves in this one. I I think that they have uh, better attacking options. Uh, Hopefully hopefully for them that Jimenez will be able to be back after his skull fracture. He's going to be out for a while. But uh, Nato sure looked good um, in his last game for Wolves.
2: Yes, sir. But now we're done with EPL talk. We're going to get to what's very interesting. We're going to talk about the Champions League round of 16. I can also say the draw was pretty surprising. But then again... The results turn out to be very exciting, Steve.
0: Some interesting matchups in the round of 16. Um, Leipzig Liverpool, uh, Jurgen Klopp gets to coach, Liverpool against the German side. And, uh, you know, Leipzig is a team that in Germany a lot of people really don't like because they're considered a nouveau riche team. They're considered a team without. A lot of tradition that you know they've sort of bought their success, so to speak. Uh, American fans will be happy to see Tyler Adams get a chance to play some Champions League ball against Liverpool. But this one is an intriguing matchup. Uh, so, I mean, I think this is one that Liverpool should win this round of sixteen match. But, uh, but, but there should be some some fairly open ball. I mean, Leipzig, uh, they they go after it.
2: Absolutely, they do. So that—that's why, you know. Even if Liverpool was at full strength, if all their players were healthy and if everybody was there, I'd still say that Liverpool is in for a huge challenge. Because keep in mind, R.P. Leipzig is is responsible for the elimination of Manchester United.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, Barcelona, PSG. Boy, PSG has actually boy. struggling. PSG actually been struggling a little bit in the league. On um, yes, they have Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona's been struggling majorly in La Liga, although they did get uh, a pretty important win against Real Sociedad over the weekend. So you've got uh, Messi versus Mbappe and Neymar. So you certainly have some some great talent on the pitch. And, of course, Neymar used to play with with Barcelona. So a lot of backstories with this. Um, I just think with... The, the poor morale in Barcelona, I just I just think right now, I think PSG or whatever problems they might be having right now, I think Barcelona is having way worse problems than PSG has been having, so I think the Parisians take this one.
2: Well, I would love to say that the Parisians are going to take this one, but we know that during desperate times that they have choked before, especially in the, in the, in the round of 16, but as you mentioned, PSG is struggling in Ligue 1 right now because uh after, you know, there's that loss to uh to Lyon and then, and then and I think they just picked up a win but you know, I think it's uh, I'm not sure exactly who's at top of Ligue 1. Lyon. Lyon. Okay, that's right, yeah. But uh, as far as uh, as I'm concerned, if Neymar is healthy and, and he can actually play uh effectively and the uh, same thing with Mbappe, then there's no doubt in my mind that Les Parisiens are certainly going to take it. Um, PSG is actually in second place right now: ten wins, one draw, and four losses. But the problem with with PSG is that you know when they don't come in focus, they're not prepared. You know, disaster strikes and the team falls apart. But I'm going to agree with you. I think PSG is the favorite. But as much problems as Barcelona are, is are having, I still expect them to put up a hell of a fight because it's not just there's not just Lionel Messi. There's also uh, Antoine Griezmann, although his tenure with Barcelona is yet to be proved effective. But, but I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. But I, th- I think PSG's pass uh, is going to advance, but it's going to be survival by the skin of their teeth.
0: Sevilla-Dortmund. Um, very intriguing matchup. Uh, this is one of those where Dortmund will be considered the higher-seeded team because they won their group. Sevilla took second. Um, Boy, I tell you, would love to see Dortmund win this one. Um, Gio Reyna again for U.S. soccer fans out there, and Gio Reyna has been playing phenomenally with Dortmund this year. Um, I mean, he's just he's just absolute joy. Uh, Dortmund has some unbelievably good young talent. Seville, older, a little more ring smart. You know, they've got you know half a dozen. Uh, Europa Cups to their t- to their uh, in their trophy case. This is one where I actually I'm actually picking the lower seeded team. I'm actually picking Sevilla uh, to upset Dortmund in this one. You no, know,
2: I have to I have to agree. Well, as far as Dortmund goes, of course, there's you know uh, Gio, just like you just like you mentioned, and there's also the Norwegian wonder kid Erling Haaland. But uh, as you mentioned, they they are a unique young talent, but Sevilla is you know older and you know with the leadership that they have and the, and, you know, the fact that I picked them to be a dark horse of this tournament, I think it's Seville, you know, pulls through. And, and Dortmund, unfortunately, suffers another round of 16 uh, loss.
0: Porto, Juventus, um, Weston McKinney, another American player playing in the round of 16. He's looked great for Juventus, but Juventus' results have been a bit uneven uh, this year. Right now in Serie A, they're not, they're not on top. Syria right now porto uh, they always seem to put forth a really good effort uh, let's not forget this is a team that's won the champions cup uh, a couple of times so but this is this is one though i, I just think juventus has way too many horses uh, so i think they should beat the team from northern portugal without too much trouble
2: yeah i think i think juventus ultimately uh, advances but Porto is not going to go down without a fight. I can guarantee you that.
0: Another compelling matchup, Atletico Madrid, which finished second in their group, uh, Chelsea winning their group. Chelsea-Atletico Madrid. uh, Diego Simeone, the the crafty Argentine dressed in black. uh, Does he have it in him to knock out another EPL side in the round of 16? Atletico is the type of team that can give team's fits i think chelsea if chelsea's humming and if they're healthy i i think chelsea should win this one but um but we'll just we'll just have to see if if chelsea can get a goal uh in madrid against atletico which is something that liverpool wasn't able to do and that ended up costing them big last year in the round of 16 um i'm gonna pick chelsea to win this one
2: I agree, and, and, and quite frankly, uh, it's the away ghoul role that you're talking about. Yes, you always want to take advantage of the away ghoul roles, especially if it tends to lean in your favor. So if Chelsea can have like if Chelsea has like a 2 nothing win in, in Game 1, February 23rd, Chelsea's got a huge advantage. And then Chelsea's just going to have to prevent Atletico Madrid from scoring at home. They're going to have to pull, off, pull a clean sheet if they have any hopes of, uh, of preventing Atletico Madrid from coming back. Because keep in mind... If you're if you're the away uh, team on on the first round and you have a, a comfortable ad- advantage with the away go- excuse me with the away goals rule, I believe me, the other team, if you're under that pressure and the team takes takes advantage of it, the favor is going to switch immediately from you to them.
0: Lazio Byron, the defending champs, uh, take on the team from Rome. Uh, Byron wins this one fairly easily. I I'm just I'm just not anticipating Lazio to give them much of a much of a fight at all.
2: You know, I couldn't agree with you with you more Steve. Look, I'm sorry Lazio fans, no disrespect intended. I don't support Roma, just so you know, but Bayern Munich is still tough as hell. From the very beginning, I I have them favored to win it all again, and I think they're going to le- you know leap a path of destruction in the knockout round just like they did last year. I think Bayern Munich takes care of business. I think Bayern Munich you know, doesn't allow any goals at all in the round
0: of 16. Atalanta, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, in spite of the fact that they lost not once but twice to Shakhtar Donetsk in the opening rounds and group play, they they seem to have righted their ship. I think getting Sergio Ramos back, I think certainly to provide his leadership and to say nothing of his play, you know, love him or hate him, the guy is a player, and and he shows up. And when when he's on the field, Real Madrid's just a, a much different team. So, uh, and and they've shown that. I mean, the their two biggest competitors in Spain, Real Madrid has already beaten Barcelona. They've already beaten Atletico this year. Um, so I think, and these matches will be played in uh, February. So I think that by then. I think Real Madrid will be in, in pretty good shape. I think they should be able to beat the team from Bergamo with no problem. You
2: know, I think Real Madrid is going to start proving a point in this Champions League round of 16. They're going to start turning things around, and I think, you know, if, if they beat Atalanta in spectacular, spectacular fashion, they're going to begin showing signs that they're beginning to go back to that dominant team they were just a few years ago. Of course, it's still going to take time, but... If Real Madrid beats Atalanta in convincing fashion and somehow does well in the quarterfinals and somehow advances to the final four, you know that'll be signs that Real Madrid is coming back. If you know what I mean,
0: right? Uh, for people who like to see goals scored, uh, Mönchengladbach and Man City, there should be a whole lot of goals in this two-game set. Gladbach, they knocked ten pass. Shakhtar Donetsk in, in group play. Um, Marcus Taram, uh, Lillian Taram's son, has been playing really good ball for Motion Gladbach. Um, I just think Man City is going to be too tall of an order. The the thing, ever since Pep Guardiola has taken over at Man City, there's, there's sort of this yeah, but I mean, yes, you know, they've been winning domestic titles. Yes, they've won FA Cups. Yes, they've won League Cups. They haven't won the Champions League yet. I mean, in spite of all this formidable amount of talent uh, that they've had, Manchester City, they they haven't even made it to the final of the Champions League. Uh, So I think for right now, I think that's something that, uh, I mean, Pep may be putting all of his eggs into that hat and the trying to win the champions league, because I think realistically, I, I don't think Man City is going to win the EPL. Um, I mean, I guess they could get super, super hot and everybody regresses, but I I don't see them winning the EPL. So I think that they could put a lot of concentration into the champions league and they've, they've got the talent uh to to win this. So it's it's hard to say, but I think I think Man City wins this one against Borussia Mönchengladbach. This will be very entertaining though. This this one this one and the Leipzig Liverpool, those will pro- I think those will probably be the two most entertaining ones as far as uh open play and goals go.
2: I agree 100% and quite frankly, I think that they're they're, they're going to have the most supporters to tune in to watch this on TV, but but as far as Manchester City goes, it really is quite amazing how in the in the past uh, three tournaments how they were eliminated in the quarterfinals in such heartbreaking fashion. You know, last year they were eliminated by Olympique Lyonnais. While the I believe the previous two years they were eliminated by Liverpool, and you know, and, and Liverpool would just like just humiliate them, like just beat them just like that, and make Manchester City look absolutely silly because you know I was talking about this before that Manchester City would, would like would take the EPL title especially from the hands of Liverpool and then Liverpool would would extract revenge by eliminating the Manchester City in the Champions League and in the 2019 not only did they do that but Liverpool would take the title so Liverpool would actually prove that they're actually the better team that in this case the EPL the EPL title doesn't matter it doesn't mean anything the real way to prove who's a better team is who goes further in the Champions League or whoever wins it. That's the way to prove it.
0: Well, it's the, it's the one thing that he hasn't been able to do since, since coming over to the EPL. And, of course, you know, people remember you know, the tremendous amount of success that he had with Barcelona coaching in the late 90s, early 2000s, when he racked up just that ridiculous amount of hardware. With with Barcelona and a couple of Champions League titles, um, I I mean I I still think he's a he's a very very good coach. I mean he's definitely he's definitely one of the best, but uh, but he has something to prove with the Champions League to be sure.
2: Absolutely, and I guess until Manchester City wins the Champions League, I guess they have no room to talk, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, you know, often when I'm teased by the Manchester City supporters, I just tell them, win the Champions League first, and then you can run your mouth. Because while Man Man United might be terrible today, they have three titles, okay? Three. Compared to you guys, you guys have never won it, so. And and what was so interesting is, like, how Manchester City would snatch the EPL title from Liverpool. I figured myself, if only we could have the Champions League final, Manchester City versus Liverpool, that would be the best way to do it. The best way to settle who's the best team in England.
0: Well, that's one way to do it, or if, or if they just get drawn against each other in in group play. Um, but at this point, until proven wrong, I still think I still think Bayern Munich is still the the team to beat by far in this competition.
2: I still think so too, but I'm not going to change my mind for now. I'm still sticking. Bayern Munich is the favorite to win it all. Well, now we're done with Champions League. You want to take a few minutes to want to talk about the best FIFA football awards, Steve?
0: (laughs) Well, you can. I'll. I will confess. I have not even even looked at that. I. I I plead I plead guilty on that. So you go ahead and lead this one.
2: Well, before I do, I'm going to confess. I plead guilty too because. I did not look at this until we started this episode because, quite frankly, I lost all my interest in the awards this year because they decided this year there is no Ballon d'Or winner. So I'm like, if there's no Ballon d'Or winner, the awards don't get interesting, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and swallow my pride. We'll we'll give it to them. So the Best FIFA Men's Player Award this year goes to Robert Lewandowski. Wow. Talk to
0: Art about that. He was fantastic. I mean,
2: okay, if anybody wants to talk about a, a goat from last year or so, it's this guy. I know a lot of people debate. It's always debated. Ronaldo is the GOAT. Messi Messi is the GOAT. You know what? This year, it's neither of them. T- to be honest, I don't consider either of them the GOAT overall. I don't consider Ronaldo or Messi the GOAT in my opinion. But if we're going to talk about a GOAT this year, it has to be Lewandowski because there's, there's been nobody better. But the results that surprised me is that Kylian Mbappe finished higher than Neymar and Virgil van Dijk and Sergio Ramos.
0: Well, it's good to see some new names out there, you know. It's, I mean, as great as as Messi and Ronaldo have been, it's nice to see somebody new.
2: Exactly, you know, and you know, excuse me, and, and you know the fact that, you know, Thiago Silva, you know, in, in the top ten as well, and not surprisingly, Kevin De Bruyne, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, those guys, you know, in the talks, you know, I feel like. The, The name this year certainly went the way it was. But now we get to the best men's goalkeeper, and that goes with Manuel Neuer, Neuer, if if I'm pronouncing it correctly. uh, The German uh, goalkeeper for place for Bayern Munich. He defeated Alisson to take the title. Hmm.
0: Tough call. Tough call. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I'm a Liverpool fan. I mean, Neuer's a great goaltender. I mean, you know... you can't really say anything against them. But um, but I will say having Alisson and goal is a big reason why Liverpool has had a Champions League and an EPL title in the previous couple of seasons.
2: You know what's sad? Uh, you know, I, I really believe that, you know, this may sound silly, but I believe that if Igor Lloris hadn't suffered that uh, gruesome uh, hand injury, I think he would have been considered.
0: Might have been. Uh, he, by the way, he played well for, for Tottenham against, against Liverpool yesterday. He played very, very well.
2: He, he certainly did. But, but I think Manuel Neuer is, is, is obviously the right choice. I mean, he was certainly fantastic in the Champions League last year. Um, as far as his career goes with, uh, with the German national team, well, I still think he's still got a little bit left to offer. But it's going to come down soon to where a, uh, they're going to have to bring in the next guy up. You know, you know, this reminds me so much You know how New was at the top of his game. It reminds me when Fabian Barthez was just such an amazing goalkeeper for Manchester United, Marseille, Monaco, and for, for Les Bleus. It, it just reminds me, like, you know, when you have a fantastic goalkeeper, you really got to enjoy it while it lasts because you're not always going to have the same kind of goalkeeper, especially when he's dominant. Mm-hmm. All right. But here's one. Uh, now, this one's certainly going to make you happy. I'm talking about the FIFA best uh, men's coach, and Jurgen Klopp wins this one.
0: Well, that's deserved. It's it's very well deserved.
2: Uh, from looking, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, who manages Leeds United, and the runner-up was Hans Dieter Flick, who manages Bayern Munich. You know, you know, much to my surprise, Zinedine Zidane was a candidate. And Julian Lopotegui was also a candidate. And Julian Lopotegui deserves recognition because of how not only he kind of turned Seville around and, you know, how his career kind of wound out after he was, you know, fired from the managerial position of of Spain right before the World Cup. And then how his tenure at Real Madrid didn't go so well. And so I I think Julian Lopotegui has really earned his respect.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, no question.
2: All right. Yeah. Last and you know, let's we'll talk about the okay the best FIFA women's women's player. Wow, there's Lucy Bronze, you know, winning it. You know, honestly, I can't say I'm surprised because I've seen, I've watched Lucy Bronze play, and I can't tell you how amazing she is. She's possibly, you know, in my opinion, I would have said she's probably the best defender in the world, the best female defender in the world.
0: Well, she certainly certainly played well uh, in the last women's World Cup as well.
2: Mhm. She she certainly did, and you know she. uh, Last, uh, you know, they're based. You know, these results. It it goes from a uh, period from July eighth, two thousand nineteen, to October seventh, two thousand twenty, and during that time, she played for both Manchester City and Lyon, and she did win the Champions League with the uh, Lyon feminine team. And you know, I I think she, you know, really, it's well deserved. And other candidates include Sam Kerr, who currently also plays for the for Chelsea, Uh, Wendy Renard, who plays for Lyon you know, Delphine Cascarino, who also plays for Lyon. It doesn't surprise me, like, there's at least five players from Lyon who are, uh, who are a candidate, because, you know, Lyon's obviously the best female club in the
0: world. Oh, by far. That team that team is just loaded.
2: <laughs> I mean, another proud, another good reason to be from Lyon, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, no I mean, question.
2: All right. So now we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, the best fi- FIFA women's coach goes to... Sarina uh, Wiegman, who coaches the female uh, female uh, Netherlands team. And the runner-up, surprising, was Jean-Luc Vasseur, who manages Lyon. Huh.
0: Well, I mean, he's had so much success. Uh, kind of surprised he didn't get the nod. But, you know, a lot of times national team coaches, they, they tend to win out more on this. But, um, but still.
2: Uh-huh. Absolutely. Now, the final question I have for you, Steve, is who do you think would have deserved the Ballon d'Or this year?
0: Lewandowski, I think, would have been a pretty good pick. Um, I mean, that's that's really my feeling. Um, I mean, he was just he was just so massive uh, for for Bayern Munich, in what was just an absolutely incredible run for them. Um, I I think for me he would he would be my top choice.
2: You know, I think he would he would have been the the best choice out there. But quite frankly, I think that if 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 the battle of had not been canceled, if he had not won it, I would have said that's a travesty of justice. Because if there's a guy who deserves it, it's Robert Lewandowski. Yeah,
0: no question.
2: All right. Well, I'd like to remind everybody that Into the Net FC is available on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve, I want to thank you so very much for coming back tonight. And I want to apologize to you and all the fans out there for my excessive coughing. I really do apologize for that. Um, I hope it wasn't too disruptive, but I just want everybody to know. I want to confirm that I am not feeling as bad as I possibly should. I feel okay, and I, I will get better soon.
0: Good talking with you, partner. Get well. All right,
2: thank you very much, Steve. You have a good night, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.